Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to another High Resolution. I'm Seamus Byrne. This week, I'm talking to two of the leaders behind Rainbow Six Siege's esports uh, realm. That's a weird way to put it. But Francois Xavier Daniel, or better known as FX, and Jeremy Somville. Rainbow Six Siege launched back in 2015 and has always had a really clear annual strategy roadmap and is now in its year five cycle. It really keeps evolving while always having a clear sense of what it's trying to solve with each set of changes along the way. It's had a steady march towards the top tier of global esports and the Esports Observer, an outlet I write for, has recently declared Siege a tier one esport alongside CSGO, Dota 2 and League of Legends. And this past two weeks has seen big announcements as it reshapes the way its global esports system runs again, with new clarity around regional leagues and a big step up in how they're running the broadcasting model. So I got to catch up with FX and Jeremy via a Teams call this week to get their rundown on what's changing in the new structure and what it does for the teams, for the players and for the fans. Along the way, we discuss how the pandemic has influenced the routine given the game has had such a clear annual strategy. Plus, we do some looking back at what they feel has defined the game's success to date. We kick things off with FX talking us through CG Sports to date and how it got to where it is today. Uh, it's, a, it's a long and, uh, and very uh, intense story. Uh, it's been four years we started eSports at Ubisoft, I remember, uh, uh, starting the department four years ago, having just uh, this crazy idea in mind at this time to say, okay, we have a game, which is a really good game, Rainbow Six, a good, uh, um, a good idea in terms of competitive game. Uh, let's try to make e-sport. We tested a few um, show match before the release of the game to see if there is an appetence and an idea of uh, uh, of uh, enjoying e-sports and, and competition around the game and feedback from the uh the whole community of Rainbow Six, uh, Vegas and Vegas 2 was, was really good. So after the release, uh, the, the idea was, uh, okay, how we can learn fast uh, and keep uh, the DNA of Ubisoft. 
So that's why uh, my vision at this time was really to uh, stay humble and say, okay, so we need to understand this uh, new world for Ubisoft, but we need to to learn fast. So uh, what we did is, okay, how we can make sure to go step by step? And it's still the concept and the idea I want to keep with all my team around the world is to keep this step by step to make sure that we are taking the right decision at the right moment. Uh, so that's why we started with only Europe and NA. So that's why we received feedback. Why not APAC and APAC? <laughs> because we need to start with something. Yeah. We started with console and PC at the same time because, uh, you know, Rainbow Six is a well-known also uh, games on uh, Xbox, for example. So we started with Xbox plus PC. And after after a year, we decided to move only on PC because the community was here and watch and even console player watch uh, PC player for esports. We started APAC, LATAB with the success uh, on both regions. And what was very important, it is the point today of all this announcement is to keep uh, the spirit of learning and to uh, improve our uh, system every time. We introduce a pilot program. We are improving him every year. And few and today because we we have the announcement tomorrow. Sorry for APAC and uh, last few weeks for NA, Latin, and EU. Uh, we have this new program. We'll run uh, from June, which is a, a regional program, and for me, it's a new step of our uh, our. Our esports and last but not least, uh, was really happy to see on the esports observer that uh, Rainbow Six uh, became a tier one title. Uh, this is something very uh, I'm very proud of for all my team around the world because after four years, it's something great. But uh, yeah. again, it's just the beginning, and we still have a lot of things to do. Yeah. Um. So far, do you feel like like was there a first moment, or I mean, I'm sure there've been lots of moments along the way, but was there kind of a a great moment when you sort of went, yes, this is going to work, you know, in those earlier days, whether it was, you know, an event or, you know, an online audience, like, is there anything that stands out for you? I, yeah, there is some, uh, you can imagine there is some of them. If I can uh, say two moments that really saw me that we are, we have something that uh, is unique uh, was maybe the first final in Brazil, uh, in Sao Paulo. Uh, when we have these 2,000 people in a venue in Sao Paulo when the game was not so huge and we saw something from NA, LATAM and EU at this time and I was, okay, if in Brazil this game can put 2,000 people in a venue like that, there is something, for yeah. sure. So for me, it was the first thing. Uh, and second thing, it was uh, um, the, the six uh, invitational, uh, the second one with this crazy final against uh, between Penta and uh, Evil Geniuses at this point with this 2-0 finishes by 3.2 and the viewership uh, grew so fast. And at one point that even I remember having my team, everyone watching the, the, the viewership and saying, this is not possible. We are already at our KPI we want to have in two or three years. So this two moments was for me, okay, there is foundation, uh, there is work to do, but it was at the same time crowd feed, feeling and community feedback. And at the same time, uh, the full ecosystem of esports watching uh, and the, the full industry watching saying, okay, this is an important game, right? Yeah, Which is awesome. Uh, um, so I'll throw this one to you, Jeremy. The, um, can you talk a bit about sort of, I don't know if it was a strategy or whether it was that they started approaching uh, Ubisoft around the whole idea of the big orgs that started kind of looking to buy into teams in different parts of the, the sort of regional system as it has existed to date, that um, clearly it was kind of a really sort of positive thing for, for the ecosystem, for the eSport to have sort of big organizations wanting to, to get involved? Yes, 
definitely something important, uh, not just for the name itself, but because it means a lot of things behind for both community and for uh, industry. Uh, for me, it was one of the main uh, um, action and a strategy we had the few, the few uh, first year. And uh, just as a, a reminder and uh, as a story, uh, I had a meeting with the production in, in New York with all the big organizations at this time. Uh, we met them all at this time, all the, the CEO of organization from most of the big organization to explain them Rainbow Six. And it was just the beginning. It was a few months, one year, I think, after the beginning of Rainbow Six. And I remember having this uh, uh, conversation with them and feedback was, okay, this is the lead. Uh, and, you know, when one guy from organization is coming into a game, there is always, there is a question of, okay, do I need to move at the same time? Or uh, can I miss the train? Or should I go? So the idea was, okay, so we need to grab and to interest a few of them. And I'm sure that after, because it's a, it's also a perception, uh, e-sports is perception, we need to continue, uh, they will come. Uh, as a whole. Uh, why it's important to have big organization? Because it's legitimate a lot, uh, your scene. It's not just because it's big name, but because these guys are going into a game where the system is uh, fair, clean, and also this is, there is a vision behind. Uh, the guy, this guy today, they cannot take the same risk than a few years ago when they can enter many games and see after. This is not, because esports is becoming so professional on many aspects, very quick, uh, Rainbow Six is one example. Rocket League is another one. So the concept is you, you need to prove them first that you have foundation, that um, your game can be relevant for their brand, but also for their business, because it's also it's uh, it's also business for them. And uh, last but not least, there is a, a clear vision for a couple of years. Uh, and it, fortunately, what we prove with uh, with Rainbow Six, the pilot program helps a lot. Because from the first uh, years of Rainbow Six, we, uh, the IT was ready to uh, share a part of the cake with the team because they, they deserve it, because the community wants it. And, and feedback from the uh, teams was very interesting. And we can maybe talk about it uh, later in this discussion. We are right now 44 teams in the pilot program. So we are covering every team into the uh, regional league, which is for me because they deserve it. And last but not least, because I don't want to forget them because there are so many important to show that you are a big game and you are becoming an important game, is also to create your own story with the team. And for me, there are a few of them on Rainbow Six, Nora Rengo in Japan. This is completely a Rainbow Six yeah, organization. And I'm more than happy to see them on another game one day because it's also showing that your game can create organization. And uh, I will always be uh, behind this uh, organization. So it's a balance between both, but yes, for sure, uh, visibility from our big organization and discussion with them are very important. Yeah, awesome. Um, and so, Jeremy, your background being you know, a player working in a sort of a team org, you know, what kind of aspects of that background do you feel like you brought into the development you know, and your sort of role in the team and, you know, and how important mm -hmm. um, keeping those people in mind is to making sure that your eSport is working? 
Yeah. You know, uh, the funny story is that, uh, so I, I was, uh, let's say, semi-pro on uh, Vegas and Vegas 2 because at this time it was absolutely not the same scene than right now <laughs> yeah. with uh, the big events, etc. But I remember when I started, uh, I, I heard the news that uh, I would be uh, in, my, I will do my internship uh, to uh, finish my study in Ubisoft. It was probably two or three days before E3, and it's actually E3 when uh, the Rainbow Six Siege was, uh, was announced. Uh, so it was really the crazy story to uh, be linked to this franchise. So I started first on, uh, on Assassin's Creed, and then finally uh, I, I had the, the luck to be uh, to be hired to manage the, the launch of, uh, of Rainbow Six Siege in France and uh, the sports scene. And to me, it was really helpful to uh, to know this ecosystem from inside, I would say, and be able to quickly start in France uh, doing some tournaments uh, and also show match playtests with uh, the, the former, uh, let's say, pro players of uh, of Vegas and Vegas 2 just to have an idea of how their perception of the game is because it's uh, it's easy for a publisher uh, the, the dev team and all the internal teams have worked on the game from years so they have their idea of what the game is but at the moment when you start putting uh, the, the keyboards and mouse or the controller in the end of the players maybe they will think to a, a completely different meta and we have to accept it uh, I remember saying to FX uh, a few uh, few days before the first uh, playtest maybe they will not want the operator maybe they will want to play with the recruit and we'll have to accept that because it's not the way we've we've imagined the game we are we are sure that it will it will be better with the operators but if the players decide that it's not the case it will not be the case and will not be a successful esport game uh, uh, going uh, at the opposite way of what the, the player thinks but uh, yeah w- what i really liked over the years uh, especially for rainbow is that we always integrated all the players casual and pro players to play test to test all the metas and all the new operators we've released to always be sure that we are going in the right direction and we are creating a game that fits well the uh, the, the yeah the desire of the viewers of the players etc mm. um and like fx i feel like a big part of the story of siege has been its willingness to evolve that it's almost like it's built into the game that it is about it continuing to evolve yeah, so I guess with that in mind, you know, give us the introduction to what the next phase of of global esports is for this game. Yes, you, you've right. Just to go back, and you're completely right. Uh, the one of the main strengths of an esport title is to continue to evolve at the time and to improve the game, and it's what we are doing with the production of Rainbow Six every day, uh, and to keep the same vision together. It's which important because you need the game but you need also the esports team. So it's a wedding between the production of a game and uh, the esports ecosystem, and they need to grow together. Uh, because if you are not going in the same direction with the same idea in mind, at one point it will be a fight between the two vision and perception, and it's not good for the game as a whole. Uh, so yes, we are moving to the, I will say, the new era of Rainbow Six, uh, becoming more professional on every aspect, uh, we are moving to a regional model. Why going this way? Because we have something working. So why changing it? Because I'm very convinced that it's the right moment and we have all the foundation in every region to go in the same level and to be as close as possible to the local community and what they're, how they're consuming Rainbow Six as an esport title, as a player, as a viewer. Um, it's important to move at one point 
but not too fast because uh, before that you need to create a, a, a community around your game. And if you are changing so fast, people will not understand and maybe will switch for another game. It's, it's, it's possible and we need to, uh, to, to, to not take any risk. I will say about this aspect. But today we are such a big uh, community on every part of the world. Look at Brazil in Latin, look at Japan, uh, Europe for sure, uh, Asia Pacific is growing, NA it's important. So we can take not the risk, but this opportunity to change the model per region to be as close as possible to the esports. Uh, conception, uh, conception, sorry, of esports. So that's why you can see today different approach everywhere in the world, and they're not against each other. It's just different vision based of uh, uh, local market of where they are. So that's why in Europe we are staying online uh, because geographically. But we announced our and we'll go back about it. The broadcast studio in Paris. We are investing into our own studio where uh, in APAC we'll have two different um, uh, division. Because of the server, but we are growing a lot, uh, the investment on both. NA is going LAN uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, LATAM is going with their uh, regional model. So this is very interesting because we are keeping a, a global layer for sure together because we are in the same system. Uh, maybe Jeremy will uh, explain you after the point system. We have such a, a big layer, which is Road to Six Invitational, which is the end of the story. You want to be the world champion of Rainbow Six, which is uh, the winner of the Six Invitational. But we have a clear and simple uh, path to this thing. And this is the leitmotiv of uh, all my team when we uh, rethink the model is we need to be as clear as possible because it's important for our community, but it's also important for the esports ecosystem everywhere. If you are not clear, people will not enter into your game. So that's why, uh, and you can see this example in Europe, we are moving from the grassroots to the national level, to the challenger, to the uh, European League, to the major, to the, and you have a clear, yeah. a clear path and you need to go on every step and it's giving the right uh, ecosystem to every kind of community. Yeah. And it's it's where it's important. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so Jeremy, can you kind of dig in a bit on like what, it, what do you feel like it changes about the experience for, you know, for the teams, for the players and for the fans? Um, because it seems like, you know, like I think it's easy to look at that big picture of how that changed. But, you know, when it comes to that on the ground experience, um, there's, people should probably have an awareness of what is really changing in, in the way that works. A lot of things, but uh, first, uh, yeah, as you say, it's uh, it's the, go the global picture. In the in the previous uh, competitive program, we had uh, you had different goals, like uh, winning the first project finals, then you have a, a major three uh, three months after, and uh, you were always at the, the six invitational in uh, in February. I remember seeing a lot of time on Twitter uh, players debating in uh, who is the world champion. Uh, I won a pro league with the four regions. So am I a world champion? Oh no, I won the major. So this is a, this is exactly why we really wanted to improve kind of the storytelling and what a year of siege of siege is, what a world champion of siege is. So starting right now, uh, so we are in the transition season in 2020, but uh, normal year starting in 2020 and 2021, we will have uh, one season during last uh, during the 12 months with nine months of uh, regional leagues. The European League, LATAM, APAC, and North American. And, uh, 
every three months, uh, it's uh, the end of a stage. So meaning you have three stages in uh, in the year and you are able to co to co collect points based on your performances in the regional leagues, but also in the majors uh, that concludes all the stage. So the majors are still our global competition every three, three months, meaning uh, you have two ways to score points, either you are qualified or not uh, to the majors. And the, the good thing is that at the end of the year, so uh, in December, it's the end of the regional league, we'll, we'll be able to know who are the top 16 teams in the world based on this point system. And uh, they are qualified to the six invitational so that's already 16 teams and as we always want our, our scene to be open and anyone who uh, deserve it to have a chance to qualify for the six invitational we have also integrated a four last chance qualifier for the six invitational it's re regional tournaments uh, one per region and it's one extra slot for any team it can be a professional team or an amateur uh, that can take the last slot uh, to, uh, to be qualified for the six invitational yeah cool Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, and so, you know, I guess, can we, let's compare sort of, you know, what do the changes mean? Sort of, you know, EU's had a well-established system for a long time. APAC's kind of had more of a separated kind of setup. So, you know, in the EU context, how much is changing sort of there? And then, like, in terms of that sort of, you know, regular kind of routine for, for the major teams, um, and then sort of compared to how much is kind of changing in that APAC relationship. I know, so the FX, you mentioned that idea that, you know, I mean, we asked if you're seeing sort of land in North America and um, sort of different aspects on how the setups are actually operating. Um, comparing backwards, it does seem like there's probably more functional routines sort of changes perhaps for APAC than necessarily for, for EU or am I reading that right? <laughs> Uh, I, I, we, I think we can uh, we'll answer the, together uh, two parts of this uh, of this question. I will answer the last part because uh, APAC is uh, one of the biggest change for us. Uh, we, we, I can understand from an external standpoint, it can be less, uh, I will say, impactful than uh, going LAN or having a studio in Paris with uh, the European League uh, very uh, established, as you mentioned, for four years with uh, a lot of huge organization on it. We introduced uh, Virtus Pro, uh, we came on Rainbow Six, uh, we have so uh, um, introduce uh, other team a, a few months ago. Um, for APAC, what is important is today we are moving to four sub-region 
where we the, my, my vision first for APAC was we need to create something that can stabilize team on sub region so that's what we had Japanese league uh, Korean team uh, Korean league sorry Southeast Asia league and Oceania league uh, the problem is to, uh, today it was not very simple to understand and even if it was not possible for someone from the western world or from other side of the world to watch and understand what's happening so for for most of the community all around the world uh, teams popping up during major from uh, from uh, APAC, most of the time it was Natik and Noraringo. So at this time they understood, but sometimes they had a new team coming and no one knows who <laughs> yeah. was this guy. And but it's great at the same time we need to create storytelling and you know the the needs to create uh, uh, storytelling and content around it. So that's why my vision was okay. So we need to simplify this part and make something a premium for everyone. And I'm very proud with this system because uh, we introduced two big things on an APAC. First one for APAC North, it's a very premium league where you can find the best team from Japan, Southeast Asia, and Korea together in the same league. Uh, um, playing against each other. So tomorrow you will have a Fnatic against Cloud9. Uh, you will have uh, a Giants against uh, Norarengo, which is we will have each week big match with big organization in APAC. All these matches will be broadcast in English from our studio in Paris. So meaning that you will have a, a huge coverage for APAC team yeah. all around the world. So meaning that everyone will know the odds this team before major organization. So this is for APAC North. So it's a huge change for us because it's regrouping a region together. And also we introduced, but not least, not least, sorry, we introduced National League include also to this model with a question of number of plays per year. So meaning we keep the spirit of it's simple from Jap for someone in Japan to go from the National Tournament to the APAC North League. And at the same time, we are very, very proud because it's part of the DNA of Ubisoft to introduce uh, South League and introduce a, a country such as India. Uh, it's something not usual in a global system to introduce um, India because it's, it's not a, a market easy uh, to uh, to work on. Uh, we did some tests a few months ago with our partner ESL and other. We saw a very uh, interesting community and a lot of feedback and we saw a lot of uh, comment on Twitter too saying please uh, please give us uh, our moment so that's why I'm very proud to introduce them into the league uh, feedback was crazy uh, when we, we explained some few teams uh, um, before the announcement uh, so very happy so APAC yeah. is uh, is growing very fast yes it's uh, it's uh, some some part is technical to give them more uh, visibility but at the end uh, it, it's the right uh, it's the right moment to do it mm. and sorry Jeremy? Yes. yeah Jeremy yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just uh, to finish uh, and uh, conclude on APAC, uh, what I really like is the fact that, as you said, Apex will have a lot of uh, really interesting matchup every week. We'll not have to wait the end of the of a stage to have uh, teams from different countries uh, meeting uh, against each other. So I think it will really increase the skill cap. Uh, from the team, maybe having their own meta uh, emerging and uh, it will help them obf uh, obviously to compete against the, the other global teams. I'm pretty sure we'll have uh, an APAC team winning a major or having an amazing performance in uh, in the, the next uh, few months or, or years. And uh, speaking about uh, Europe, which was uh, the first part of your uh, of your question, uh, I actually, it's to me, it's the really what uh, the regionalization is. It's to be able to fit to uh, the, the cultural aspect of, of a market like 
like Europe. In Europe, mostly in, in traditional sport, we know the importance of national competition to qualify for uh, for continental competition, like in soccer, for example. So as we have already a lot of really uh, premier league in Europe, uh, in France, Germany, UK, Spain, etc., uh, we thought uh, at this point uh, the league was so good that it was uh, it was totally uh, legitimate to to link them to uh, the Challenger League. So meaning starting now, uh, every winner, all with the winners of the national leagues will be qualified for the Challenger League uh, with uh, a 12-team Challenger League, which is much bigger than before. Uh, and then the, the the top team will be for sure in the European League and the second team from Challenger League will have the opportunity to meet against the, the, the team rank uh, ninth in the European League to know if they are good enough to qualify. And uh, yeah, also, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we are also moving from eight team to ten team in the European League because uh, we have seen in the, the past few months and, uh, and even years that the, the you, you, you told it before, but the, the EU region is so well established and the the, the, the team are so good, winning a lot of majors, etc. Uh, that we think the the uh, it's normal to have ten team at this point. I remember at, at the Riley Major uh, we had in semi final it was four team of Europe, including. Team Secret, which at this time was not even in in Proly, you know, it means that yeah, the ecosystem is so good that the yeah. teams can be in semi-final of a major without being in the t- top regional league. So uh, it's a yeah, it's a really well established region, and we really think that the this new format will uh, help this region to con- still consolidate, but also help uh, tier two teams to um, to improve because right now uh, they will be able to compete against the the top uh, EU team in their national leagues, and it will help also to stabilize. Because before being able to be in the EU league, they will have to work together, all the players, for uh, something like nine months. So it's, uh, I think it's a regular training for them to stabilize and, and increase their, their level uh, cap after cap. Mm. And look, I think there's a really good point here as well about, um, you know, there's obviously there's some esports who have been pursuing the idea of like city-based teams and different things. It feels like... Uh, in a lot of ways, Siege has kind of really found this interesting aspect of people kind of wanting to cheer for a regional team. You know, they don't, they're don't they not worried about if the team is from their town, but when whoever qualifies out of their region, then they, you know, like the fans get behind them and, and hope that that team is able to sort of carry the torch and, you know, and, and succeed at the next level. So it, it, is that kind of regional aspect, are you seeing sort of that on your side, that, that the fandoms are kind of, you know, almost more regional rather than you know, specific city-by-city, team-by-team type elements? Uh, you're right. For me, it will be the new uh, a new uh, uh, argument for regional team to use it. But we saw that already in the past. And as you mentioned, it's because a community from everywhere of the world and because uh, Ubisoft has local offices uh, pretty everywhere in the world, it was one of the main strengths who allowed us for the past, the past four years to build national tournament quickly. We are running more than 18 tournaments, national tournaments in the world, which is something in four years, which is not easy to manage. But because of the talent teams, talented teams, uh, uh, locally, uh, they can create this sentiment. Uh, look at Nora Rengo coming with the Japanese flag on the major mm-hmm. of the Brazilian team. And you have already such this sentiment without you mentioned uh, some, uh, um, uh, 
teams with a name from a city or a, a country. Uh, so that's why for me it's, it's interesting and this regional model which amplify this, uh, this thing and we can see already uh, some uh, uh, fans from uh, different Twitter from because we create Twitter for each region right now answering questions for each yes we are better than you uh, look at the, <laughs> yeah. um, the different uh, trophy for each region so it's great what is important is to keep the spirit that everything is possible to watch for everyone and and easy to understand for everyone because uh, for me we will miss something if tomorrow an apparent guy can't and uh, will watch something in latam and don't understand at all the format uh, who is this guy will miss something so that's why we need to keep uh, some everything open and easy to understand but reinforce and i will be sure it will be automatically reinforce this uh, feeling which is a uh, very very uh, uh, i'm very proud and i can't wait to see it on, on the on the final and look, I think it's a really important part here, that kind of new broadcasting system. So, um, you know, how long had you been thinking about that? I mean, in some ways, it almost feels like as well that with, you know, the world as it is right now, that kind of centralizing some of this kind of broadcast talent a little bit is probably helpful in being able to know we're going to still deliver a premium product. Um, so, you know, how, yeah, how long was that in the works? And how is it to kind of finally get to do that kind of a system? Uh, I remember three years ago, I had this conversation with uh, management of Ubisoft um, talking about this idea of uh, where where is the big uh, the big guy on esports right now. And I remember uh, uh, going in uh, Los Angeles, uh, uh, being invited by Riot to see their studio. I saw the one in Korea uh, too. And I saw, wow, this guy, they understand that... Um, having their own studio will allow them to create more premium content and to make sure they can not control, it's not for me controlling the content, but just be as close as possible to what's making sport, which is uh, the talent. Uh, and and it's very important for a publisher, as Jeremy mentioned, for community and player for the game, balancing and our reports ecosystem. Talent is helping a lot of us what the community wants in terms of uh, broadcast, what they want in terms of uh, storytelling around. Uh, so I remember seeing this kind of uh, uh, venue and, uh, and studio from our friends and competitors and saying... Okay, at one point we need to move this this way, but for us it was still new. We was the second year of Rainbow Six. We was we still didn't have a pack on it, so it was okay. We need to just to educate people internally, understand what is, um, where is uh, the when is sorry, the right moment to move this way, and with the game growing and the number of broadcasts we have, uh, we are running more than forty hours of content per week. So we are creating a lot of content. At one point it, it became something. Uh, normal and say, okay, let's move. So we took the time to understand. So that's why, yes, it's a, it's a big investment for Ubisoft to go to, to build a studio in Paris. Uh, so we can't unveil right now. We want to keep the secret of the design and everything for the first play to give, give that for our, our community. But uh, really proud of, uh, of all my team uh, to, to, to make this part, especially on this special time of COVID situation with not easy, but uh, they are working on the and it's, it's advanced well. And at the same time for us, it's, uh, uh, as you mentioned, uh, putting the talent in the same place and uh, work with them every day will give us a lot of feedback and energy 
so it's a it's a big move, but uh, finally, after a few years uh, thinking about it, it's it's the time. Uh, I can't wait to see what NA will do also with the land system. It's another one that will have player on site too, so it will be interesting to see. So a pretty exciting moment to have different things happening, but this. Uh, for me, having a broadcast studio, it's a, it's a big announcement for the industry saying that Ubisoft is here and here for a long time. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, having such a, a good annualized kind of system around the game, I mean, clearly, uh, you know, the whole coronavirus thing has probably thrown a bit of a spanner in the works. How much of kind of rejigging have you had to do to try to make this year still as exciting as it can possibly be, even with all this kind of stuff going on? Uh, yes, it's a, it's a, in, an important moment, and it's a, it, yes, it's a tough moment for everyone as a human, you can imagine. But for us, it's also important to rethink what we're doing. Unfortunately, we cancel our uh, last product final. We should celebrate the end of uh, a system, but unfortunately, we cancel it, the one in Brazil. We replace it by uh, giving the, uh, uh, the right uh, trophy to uh, every sub-region. Right now, we're thinking for the future, following the legislation of country. Uh, for, for us and for me, what I'm saying, I'm saying to my team is we need to take that as an opportunity to rethink what does it mean a final, a LAN event, uh, how we can do it differently. Uh, we can still, fortunately, we have the chance versus compare to sports, for example, to continue having our uh, play day and weekly stream on, online so we can continue. Uh, but it's just an idea, okay, we need to rethink everything because at one point we don't know when we will be able to do it, a LAN event. Uh, so rethink everything and make sure that we are putting maybe more emphasis on the content creation, on the storytelling and having our broadcast studio will help that. So, it's an opportunity, but uh, I can't wait to go back in a big venue and with uh, a thousand of people on it um, to for, to celebrate the game. But uh, at the same time, make sure that we we'll continue and we can we'll be able to do some stuff uh, uh, in the next uh, few months for sure. Cool. Um, so, Jeremy, I'd like your tips for you know for veteran fans and players, and <laughs> even for like a new fan, what should they look for first in the kind of the new experience? Ah, I think they, they will have the opportunity to see uh, really great matches uh, in both uh, Europe and back, uh, NA and, uh, and LATAM. The, the thing is, uh, and to me, uh, it's uh, the, the new system is also a, a new way to, uh, to, to probably watch Rainbow Six Sports. You know, for example, I'm a big f- sports fan and I mostly watch my favorite team. And I think with the amount of content you will have on of Rainbow Six every week, you will have two choices. Uh, you can be the art core fan and try to watch everything to learn a lot of tips about the game, learn a, a specific spots on the map, or you will have the, 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 the fan of one specific team or maybe one specific region that will uh, probably watch mostly his team and it will be possible because with uh, the in Europe, for example, but also in APAC uh, we will communicate exactly at what time uh, Team X is playing against uh, Team Y, so uh, I think it will uh, it will be also very great for, for the, the team to develop their, their fan base and to give really a concrete rendezvous every uh, two, twice a week actually uh, to watch specific teams and uh, and also create maybe more content uh, content with that. I mean, there's a, you know really sort of clean clear question right there, which is like, is there a clear number for you in terms of percentage or or just number of games? Like, how many kind of how much more stuff will people be able to kind of watch through the new system? 
We need to do the math, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, already as Epix mentioned, uh, we have uh, a, a pack north being broadcast in English, and, and to me, so it's uh, probably twelve something. Like, oh yeah, more than twelve hours a, a week, in addition of what we already did yeah. with uh, uh, with uh, NA, Latam, and Europe. So, but to me, yeah, it's maybe the as a siege uh, fan uh, at the global level, it's maybe the thing that is the most interesting because uh, so a pack will be. Uh, uh, will be broadcasted twice uh, a week. It will be in the morning for for friends, for example. But uh, I will be able finally to watch much more teams from APAC, not waiting yeah. for uh, the the end of the uh, of the the stage. And as Efik said, uh, we'll have a really exciting matchup uh, uh, like uh, Fnatic, Norango, Giants, etc., uh, etc. Et so it, it will be. Yeah, I, I truly think it will develop a new meta. Uh, and uh, and new storytelling with uh, with these teams. Yeah, really good point. That it's almost like the access to some of the stuff exactly. that was yes. not easy to watch before is yeah is really important. Something for Latam, for example. Yeah, it will be also a good way to uh, continue because they have a crazy. And we saw the figure at the Six Invitational for the Latam stream was uh, more than uh, 100k uh, PCCV <laughs> just for the Latam one. And uh, I can't wait to have more uh, uh, European and even Asian people, depending of the uh, the time zone, yeah. uh, watching as uh, a uh, uh, liquid uh, versus phase. Uh, it's it's always a very interesting match. Yeah. So as a last question, I you know, it's been a crazy year. I'd love each of you to think of which operator for you best represents just how crazy 2020 has been. Uh, on the <laughs> spot, you hey, mean? Yeah. Which operator? <laughs> uh, not an easy one. Who's the like the messiest crazy operator you can think of? <laughs> So an oh. operator in the game representing the, yeah, the year yeah. of esports. We are, oh. Yeah. Or just yeah, representing how crazy 2020 yeah. has turned out to be. For 2020, uh, I would say Ash because uh, it's it's going so fast. <laughs> and uh, and maybe yeah, everything we, we lived uh, was mostly similar to when Ash, uh, as a cog, removed from uh, the Arcadsi. Changing so much the way it was played for players, and we have to rethink uh, completely the the way it has played. So yeah, probably Ash. <laughs> uh, for me, for me, it will be Sledge because we are uh, uh, destroying finally the last wall between every region, watching everything. So for me, it's the right time to say, guys, you can uh, you don't have any wall against uh, you. Uh, you can watch everyone and uh, and can't wait to see who will be the next. Uh, winner of the, of the first major of this new system sure. <laughs> good one I feel like maybe for me it almost feels like Clash because I'm hiding behind a shield now ah. in my house and keeping everybody very distanced <laughs> <laughs> yes yes I think that yeah it's a, it's a good point <laughs> <laughs> look guys thank you so much for your time I really appreciate it thank you it, it was a really thank a pleasure you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.